Welcome to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it so you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Time is tight. That's why our advisors have wrapped up today's most timely topics into a podcast with actionable advice. Now, let's get down to business. Hey, Kim. Hey, Paul. Good to see you. It's great to see you, as always. Glad to be back on another podcast. That's right. Today, we're in Tampa, and we're with Michelle Sanchez, one of our audit partners here in the Tampa office. Michelle, welcome. Good morning. Glad to be here. You know, it's like they say it's always sunny in Philadelphia, but it's always sunny in Tampa except for the day except we're here. Except for the day that we're here. And there was a cold front come in, and it's 58 degrees. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Today we're going to be talking um, a lot about board of directors and, and trying to create and, and how do you find the right board of directors. And so who do we have with us today as a guest? Yeah, I'm excited. We have a guest with us today. We have Clara Reynolds, and she's with the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay. So welcome, Clara. Thank you, Kim and Paul. Good morning. It's Good so morning. exciting to be here. It's yeah. fun. So can you tell us just a little bit about your organization and what you do and um, help us just get to know you a little bit better? So we provide a variety of crisis-related services to individuals here in Hillsborough County. We also partner with the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. So when you call the 1-800-273-TALK in Hillsborough County, you actually get our call center. We have a phone line specific for veterans. We have one of the largest veterans populations in the country here in the Tampa Bay area. And so we'll serve over 20,000 veterans that are in some sort of crisis, as well as programs for children and youth. We're also the Community Certified Rape Crisis Center. So rape victims in Tampa don't go to hospital emergency rooms when they've been raped. They physically come to our location, our clinic, and we do about a rape exam a day. We provide trauma counseling to individuals across our community. We did over 8,000 therapy sessions last year with infants all the way up to individuals that were in their 80s and 90s. We run a 911 basic life support ambulance service. That's a partnership with our municipal fire uh, department, Tampa Fire Rescue. And we also have an amazing program working with travelers who may be in crisis. Last year, we worked with over 23,000 passengers, some of them as minor as people missing their flight and their service and animal needs um, food, all the way to a 14-year-old that was about to be trafficked as she was responding to an ad that uh, had her going to New York on a one-way ticket, didn't bring ID. Luckily, she um, wound up with us when a ticketing agent was really concerned. And so we were able to reunite her with her family. So truly anything across the spectrum served about 170,000 people last year. Wow. Wow. That's amazing work that you do. Thank you for all that you do for this community. Thank you. Well, we're glad to have you here today and um, specifically talking about, you know, how, how you run as an organization and, and you can't do it alone and you can't do it with just your staff and um, talk a little bit about, um, you know, just kind of jumping in uh, the board of directors, kind of what what are you using them for on a daily basis and, and what do they really truly help you out with? So as a nonprofit organization, the board of directors would be typically considered the owner of the organization and the agency. So they have both the governance and fiduciary responsibility of the organization. Their goal, their roles really are to provide the budget, provide governance, and to basically hire and oversee the CEO, which is my role in the organization. 
organization. And then they give me the power and the authority to actually run the, the agency as I, as needs to be based upon this mission. So the board of directors is incredibly important and they're also all volunteer. So that is a, a double edge for us. We need individuals who are very passionate about the mission of the organization. They need to understand that, but also realize that they're volunteers as well. And so when we're looking for board of directors, we utilize a really um, strategic process to identify those individuals to meet a variety of uh, requirements or needs that we have as an organization. We're looking to fill gaps um, with those. So Michelle, I know you have some experience serving um, on a board. Can you maybe help us understand how do you put a board together? How do you put a strong board together and make sure that it's effective for the organization. Sure. I think one thing Clara mentioned was finding those gaps. So it's really important for the board to understand what community you serve, making sure you have folks on the board that represent those communities that you serve. But really even going back earlier than that is making sure you're targeting folks that do have that passion and do have that mission for your board, uh, making sure they understand the requirements for the board. Because a lot of times people get into boards, especially nonprofit boards, realize, not realizing that this is really a hands-on board sure. that you're working with. So making sure that everybody has clear expectations, both the board member from what they can expect from the organization and the organization as to what they can expect from the board. That's a good point because I think a lot of people think of giving financially to a board, but there's so much more to serving than just writing a check. Yes, it's time, talent, and treasure. And all three are equally as important in any nonprofit organization. As Michelle said, you know, you've got some very small nonprofit organizations where the board truly is providing oftentimes even treasury services. I mean, they're providing a lot of those or a large organization like mine with over 273 employees it's really much more of an advisory role. True. So they don't have to get day-to-day -day into the weeds. We have one board member who always says, you know, it should be nose in, but fingers out. And I think that that is a really neat way of conceptualizing how you need to be involved as a board member. You know, we're talking about passion. One of our values is passion to win. And that's one of my favorite ones outside of integrity. Because if you don't have that, you, you don't have a sense of ownership. And, and that's really what you're kind of talking about from a passion perspective. Right, absolutely. Claire? Absolutely. All of our board members, they really have to feel comfortable with the mission and the work that we do. And the work that we do is not for everybody. Um, you know, we find that there's many board members that are drawn to our organization because maybe they've experienced a crisis. They had family members. So making sure that we're balancing what their passions are with the needs of the organization. And I think Michelle brought up another very valuable point is that every board member comes to a board with their own, um, uh, I don't want to use the word agenda, but they do have things that they want to accomplish at, on that board. And sometimes it's to be on a letterhead, sometimes it's to get experience. And so as a CEO, I also recognize that I've got to meet their needs as well. So it definitely is a two-way street, making sure that we're meeting the needs of the organization, but also for these individuals as well, because there is no shortage, at least in the Tampa Bay area, of nonprofits. There's over seven, I think it's close to 10,000 of them wow. in the Tampa wow. Bay area. So board members have their pick of what they want. So we recognize as organizations, we need strong board members, but there's a huge market out there for board members as well. So, so it de definitely has to be a give and take. Sure. You, you say volunteer, obviously, but do you, when you're trying to find those board members, do you kind of treat them 
do you interview them like you are like a, a, a normal employee? I mean, are you doing background checks? Are you doing yeah. things of that nature? Paul, that's a great point. So to start off with, we have a strategic plan that was created by the board as well as the organization of really where do we want to go? How do we know that we're meeting our mission? And so we created a strategic plan, understanding that we need board members to fulfill roles within that strategic plan. So we have a governance and nominating committee that vets individuals who are interested in joining the board. Sometimes it's individuals that come to us. You know, I'm really interested. I have a passion for your organization. I'd like to become involved. Or it could be that we've got some gaps in our um, expertise. And so we go out and we seek that. So it is a seven-step process to join the board of directors for the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay. It starts with, you know, looking at somebody's background, uh, their resume, meeting with a board member and the board and myself. um, And then it gets vetted through that nominating committee. And then ultimately it's voted on by the leadership. There is a level two background screen that every board member must go through and they must be rescreened every three years. And then there's a board orientation that happens before their very first board meeting. They're paired with what we call a board buddy or a board mentor because our organization is pretty complex. You're not going to get it just sitting at a, a board meeting every other month. So it is a, a significant process that we go through, but it also is for two reasons. One, we want to make sure that that board member feels comfortable. Um, and two, we want to make sure this is going to be a good fit because there is a lot of investment that happens as you onboard a board member and you want to know that they're going to be able to, that they feel comfortable and that they're going to be able to be there and for the long term as we're looking for a three to five year minimum commitment. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So as the CEO, I know that that you probably utilize your board as uh, advisors, you know, to you and making sure that you're bouncing ideas and and your vision and your strategy um, amongst other professionals. So how do you go about making sure that you've got, um, you know, a diversity of thought in the room? What are some things that you look for? So we actually have a board matrix that looks at board members across a variety of categories. We're looking for age diversity, um, ethnic diversity, racial diversity. Uh, We're looking for a diversity of expertise, um, anywhere from what you might think traditional accountants, lawyers, um, but we also utilize legal because we need a lot of that legal expertise, healthcare expertise, educational from a school district and university perspective. We also want voices of clients mm-hmm. to be represented That's on the board as well. And we have, we've experimented with that in the past. So we're looking for individuals that have a passion and feel comfortable about talking their, about their journey so that they can truly represent the client voice on our board of directors. So that, those are some of the ways that we work to, to ensure that there is that diversity of um, thought that there's the diversity uh, and that the board represents the community. Because I think that's another important piece in a community as, as diverse as Tampa, where you've got a large Hispanic population as well as African-American. You, I, We really strive for the board to represent that as well. Knowing that the other role that the board has is to be the door opener for us. You know, there is a large, we, we get a lot of state and federal funding that requires board members that have those maybe legislative connections, 
those local connections to help connect those uh, political leaders with our mission. And oftentimes, as you all know, it's that person to person that makes the difference. So I utilize board members to do all of that work, um, making those connections in the community, as well as, you know, making sure that I have places to bounce ideas, problems, issues off. Now, you mentioned the the different, the matrix of diversity, but what is your thought and do you have a um, term limits for your board members and and talk a little bit about about why that would be important. You know, that's such a great point. We do not have term limits. And I will tell you why. We have one board member that's been on the board for 33 years. And yeah, and the board feels very strongly about that individual. If that individual, when that individual rolls off, they may consider board terms. Right now, we run three-year terms and you have to be re-elected by the the board every three years. Um, We have some individuals that that's perfect for. They want to just be on for three years, maybe six years if they're thinking about a leadership role within the organization. And we have some folks that just love, love, love what we do. They may be doing some volunteer work as well. So for us, we've allowed that to continue. I would say most of the boards, at least in the Tampa Bay community, do utilize term limits, usually three, three three-year terms. Yeah. And I, I would just add, if you as long as you're going to have terms, you need to also have mechanisms in place if a board member isn't working out. So a lot of boards I see will have a shorter term limit just so that if a year goes by and that board member isn't performing as expected, isn't making the meetings, isn't meeting their financial commitments, whatever the requirements might be, that there's a mechanism in place to kind of have that conversation with the board member. And Michelle, you've been on some boards, you serve on some boards. Everything that Claire has been saying, I mean, as as somebody that's been on that on other boards is what she's saying obviously what's been different from your experience of being on a board versus you know kind of talking about how they look for board members the successful boards i've been on have done pretty much exactly what clara has mentioned um one thing also in the interview process i would just add is to make sure you're finding out what other commitments they already have um because as clara mentioned a lot of people might just want to get that on their letter head on their resume that i serve on xyz board but sometimes if you're over committed you're probably not giving your best to any of the boards that you're on so maybe making sure that you understand what other commitments they have, what other potential conflicts of interest they have so that they really can give a hundred percent to your board. So from, from both of you, what is your advice? If, if there is a professional that's listening that maybe is at the point in their career where they feel like they have something to offer to a board, but if they're just considering joining a, a nonprofit board, so what's your advice to them? I would say do your homework. Um, That is the number one thing. I actually serve on a board development committee right now, and I was talking with a potential board member, and she had wonderful questions um, about how we operate, you know, what are the requirements um, after going through those initial conversations, you know, wanting to set up a meeting with a board member, like Clara said, you know, having a board buddy, having that mentor. So it's really the onus is on that potential board member to do their homework, make sure they understand what they're getting into, what the expectations are, and looking at it truly, can I fulfill this commitment? Is this something I want to do? Am I passionate about it? And can I be effective in this position? And I, and I, I don't think we can minimize the passion piece of this. 
um, being passionate about the organization, you become the ambassador for the organization. You're, you become the face out in the community and you need to be able to believe in that mission to the point that you're selling every time you walk out that door, you're talking about the mission. It's, it's top of mind. It is your elevator speech. When you have that fire, everybody can feel it. And that really for, and again, speaking specifically for the crisis center, Tampa Bay, one of our biggest issues is that folks don't know we're here. Even though we serve 170,000 people, we are not Diet Coke or Bud Light. We don't have the marketing budget. We don't have the name recognition. So it is a multi-pronged approach and board members are the largest ambassador um, group that we have. And so I would, I would strongly urge anybody out there that's considering it it's one of the best things you could ever do. You're going to get so much more than you're going to give um, when you volunteer for a nonprofit organization, but just make sure that you truly are passionate about that mission. And, and just for clarification, how big is your board? So I have 24 board members right now. Um, we can go up to about 30 to 50. I would say that the low 20s is probably the best. We have a very interesting mix. I have some board members who are strictly there because they write a large check and they have a large passion for the organization, but they cannot participate in a variety of things. I have others that are door openers. They are significant members in the community. Their time is very, very limited, but what they bring is that ability, that that gravitas, if you will, uh, that they can open doors and bring us connections. And then we have some individuals that are younger. They are newer in their careers, but they're hungry and they're passionate. So they're providing the leadership at our um, committee levels and things like that. So I truly believe it takes a whole variety of individuals that can um, open doors, individuals that can write checks, and individuals who have time in the governance. I take it, I think it takes a whole variety to be able to um, make a very uh, well-functioning board. Um, I don't believe it can just be a one-size-fits-all. So we talked a lot about what you're looking for, but one thing we haven't mentioned is, do you feel like an individual needs to have nonprofit experience in order to be prepared to join a board? I was on the crisis center's board before I was the CEO, So I, but I was on the board in the early 90s. I was the first clinician that they'd actually had on the board. I'm a licensed clinical social worker here in the state of Florida, and when the crisis center was um, coming up and really uh, redeveloping the board, they brought me on as a, as a very young social worker. Um, clinician. And so I hadn't had any board experience, but I'd had a lot of nonprofit experience at that point. And I'm not 100% sure how much I offered from the nonprofit background. It was much more so the clinical background and being able to have that clinical piece. We currently don't have any nonprofit individuals on our board. And quite frankly, it's almost a conflict of interest in some respects, particularly if the nonprofit that you serve on is also a fundraising nonprofit or is in the same field where you're competing against grants and funding and donors. It can make for a very uncomfortable situation. I'm on a couple of other boards and I won't fundraise with those other boards because it's just such a conflict for me and my organization. The only thing I would say, too, is, is not the actual experience, but when it comes to the financial governance, maybe offer them some training in understanding nonprofit financial statements because a lot of them have never seen nonprofit financial statements before. So when you go into those board meetings to do those presentations, there's just a glaze that kind of goes over everybody's eyes. So training is helpful. So they at least understand what they're looking at. Or they're thinking about the financial statements from a for-profit perspective and not the nonprofit perspective. Correct. 
Correct. That's a really great point. So here on The Wrap, we like to wrap this up in about 60 seconds, kind of give everybody a summary of, of everything we've talked about. How would you wrap up really creating a strong board of directors for a nonprofit, Clara? I think it's incredibly important that in the nonprofit space, that if anyone is interested in learning more about this, that they reach out, reach out to nonprofits, reach out to your faith community, any places like that. Maybe you're interested in sports, animals, whatever your passion is, there is a nonprofit that's available for you. Please don't feel like you need to create another nonprofit. Find one that already exists and get involved. The more involved you can be, again, you will gain so much more than you will ever give um, in a nonprofit. And we need amazing people like you. We need those business leaders that see the world from a very different lens. That's really where the diversity is. Well, Clara, it's clear that you're, you have a passion to win. And it's clear that the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay is very fortunate to have someone like you leading. So thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing your knowledge and your experience. We've really enjoyed getting to know you. And thanks for coming on our on our podcast. Thank you for this opportunity to be here. Well, thank you, Clara. Michelle, thank you very much for, for, for hosting us today. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you here. And I wish I could say sunny Tampa, but you came during a cold front. We'll come back again. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to our podcast series, or make a suggestion for other topics to cover, visit us at warrenaverett.com forward slash the wrap.